Hello and welcome to the first Heads Together of the new year. Um, I'm Paul Burke and I write about crime fiction and my colleagues are... Victoria Selman. And Barry Forshaw. Indeed. Hello, people. Right. Hello. Um, what are we going to start with? I suppose we usually start with the watch list, don't we? Which is this list of recommended books that we have uh, for people and for the month of January. We've got, well, a, a really great selection because honestly, I think any one of these could have gone on my list. So, Barry... Your choice, please, for the book of the month for January that you want to recommend. Right. Well, I think uh, I was very impressed with Janice Hallett's The Twyford Code, uh, right. which is an epistolatory novel. How often do you think say that these days? <laughs> it's, but it's much more readable than, than uh, Richardson's Pam- Pamela. And it's a right. series of documents and letters. And uh, it, it's, it does something different. It, 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 it's, um, it's a book about... Uh, political correctness it's a book about authors being cancelled and it's about a children's book which may have a code embedded Uh, in it and i'm not alone in this a lot of people have spotted janice hallett and i think she she has a future yes because this book was also chosen by our critic um erin britain and i think a lot of people like the the real cleverness of this book well my choice was marie rukotsky and her novel is called real easy and this is also chosen by our Guardian critics, past and present, Maxim Jakubowski and Laura Wilson. It's about a woman who works in a strip club, uh, Samantha, and she takes a new girl home one night when the new girl's been drugged by a customer. And on the way home, they run off the road, and the police only find one body, because Samantha is now in the hands of a serial killer. So as you can imagine, it's about male violence and misogyny, but what really makes this novel stand out is the extraordinary portrait of the women about their, their lives and their relationships and friendships. And it's an incredibly touching and thought-provoking novel. Um, Ayawanatade chose When the Ghosts Come Home by Wiley Cash. Now, I can sort of talk about this one because I've just started reading it, so I know a little bit about it. It starts with a plane uh, coming down an uh, airstrip in a rural community. And by the time the sheriff gets there, the plane's empty, the cargo's gone, there's no pilot but there's a dead body of a local on the runway. And um, that's where the story's going to obviously spring from. The interesting thing about this is the, the way this book builds the um, atmosphere slowly. It's got a lovely sort of structure to it, an er- elegant sort of simple language. So I love it for that. Mm. Um, Victoria, you chose Lights Out in Lincolnwood, which I have to admit is a book I know nothing about. So tell us about that. No, and it's a little bit different to the sort of thing I normally read. And maybe that's one of the reasons I loved it so much. Right. That it took me out of my criminal comfort zone. Um, it's a dark com- comedy. It's set um, at the beginning of the end of the world. And I think what's so interesting about it is this idea that nothing is more a- dangerous than the darkness that lurks within ourselves. Um, but it is a comedy. It's hilarious. And um, particularly what right. I enjoyed was the dialogue in it, which is just electric all the way through. I mean, it, it's almost a book purely made up of dialogue. Um, and possibly not surprisingly, the author is a screenwriter. So uh, Jeff Rodkey, he was a screenwriter behind Daddy Daycare, which also right. is a comedy. So that that very much comes through. And to me, those comic elements in a way, underline the pathos of the situation. So it's, you've got those sort of the two different elements within the book. And it, I just, I couldn't put it down. It's a big book. And oftentimes that might, that might put me off, but I, I raced through it. It was, it was really gripping, really excellent. Right. I've, I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting you to say it was a comedy when you started. Um, a, no, but I mean, you wouldn't think it, but it's the interrelationship, I think, between the different characters that, that mm. you know, caught, yeah, bring out the comic elements. 
But just to go through the last three books um, quite quickly, actually, Craig Sisterton chose um, The Heretic by Liam McIlvenny. This book is a follow-up to one he previously did about a detective called McCormick, and it's set in Glasgow. I haven't read the book, but this one's set in 1975. I did read its predecessor, The Quaker, which is set in 1970. So what I would say about this is that if it's like the first book, it'll be a great read. He manages to get what haunts a city, mood and atmosphere, in a remarkable way onto the page. And the books are fascinating for how they reflect on life in Glasgow and what was going on at the time. So that's that. I'm imagining that'll be um, a really interesting book, and I'll certainly catch up with that. Sonia Van der Vesten is, um, is showing that the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree. Yeah, absolutely. He's absolutely. clearly inherited his father's DNA writing gene, hasn't he? Yeah. And his uncle, of course, was one of the all-time great sports writers, to be fair, too. Hugh yeah. McIlvenny. So. All right. Um, I haven't made that, that, haven't made that connection. We didn't know <laughs> yeah. that, did we, Victoria? <laughs> I didn't. No, no, no. His uncle was Hugh as well, yeah. Um, right, sir. So we're on to The Maid by Nita Prose, or Nita Prose, who uh, was chosen by Jake Kerridge. And um, I haven't read this book, but apparently I think the basic concept is a maid at a big hotel. Um, an infamous character is murdered. And because she is sort of caught up in this investigation, she starts to do investigating for herself. And because nobody cares about a maid, her insights are quite, you know, she sees things from a different angle and starts to put a case together. So that sounds, so the concept sounds really interesting. And by the sounds of it, it's really beautifully written too. And I think the last book um, was Opal Country by Chris Hammer. And this is a gigantic slice of um, Outback Noir. He actually connects Outback Noir in, in a way you get the rural element but he likes to connect it to the city. So you get city corruption and that coming up and he builds up these huge pictures. This book, I think actually is his best though, because this one's tighter than the others. And it seems that the characters are better defined. And for me, and it's a little less journalist in style. This is a better read. So, you know, fourth book he's in, he's certainly getting, you know, ah, yeah, it's in a few weeks time. We'll be hearing from him directly. And he talks about that book himself and everything. Yeah, well, as I said, honestly, I think this is his best one so far. So it's well worth looking out that one. Um, so that was it for the watch list anyway. Now, the other thing I thought it'd be an interesting idea to talk about um, is festivals. Mm. And we're back in this time now where we sort of can go, or at least we could, we're planning anyway to go. Of course, one of the festivals I was planning to go to was with Cymru, um, which is an Aberystwyth or would have been an Aberystwyth. And Barry was going to go as well. Barry was going to be a moderator. Then they I'm were very forced. disappointed that it's um, online. It, it will work online, but yeah. it isn't the same. And I was looking forward to going to Wales, I must admit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever been to Aberystwyth? No, I've never been to Aberystwyth. I hear very different reports about Aberystwyth. I'm sure well, you know it better, Paul. I do. And I live down the road, so I'm not going to diss it publicly on the radio <laughs> or, or live. You can, see, you can see what I was hinting at there. I've heard both good and bad I can. things about it. Well, let's just say that Aberystwyth is uh, a beautiful place and, of course, old university town. But at the same mm. time, it has suffers from the rundown seaside resort situation that a lot of places get, you know. So it's mm. kind of mixed in that sense. Um, got its own funicular railway and things like that, too, though. Mm. So. And a national library and a very beautiful, uh, rugged seafront. Anyway, back to the uh, Gwyllt Cymru uh, Festival. Uh, the problem they had was that they had to reduce capacity. That wouldn't allow them to conduct events that would have been financially sustainable in any way. So they wound up going online. And of course, I'm, I'm aware here that I'm reducing down an awful lot of complicated debate into something very simple. Um, but essentially, this, this is what would happen then. 
Now, they've made a decision to hold this over the weekend of the May bank holiday, but they're not going to hold it on the bank holiday days. They're going to hold it on the, so they've split the festival anyway, 27th to 29th of April, 2nd to the 4th of May. I think the thinking was that people would have other things to do on the weekend. Mm. Um, and Sunbathing, hopefully, if we're in any luck. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. And, yeah. and even better if we could do it perhaps together. Who knows? <laughs> so anyway, but that, that's gone online. We're hoping, of course, that other events don't. Now, we're all scheduled to turn mm. up at um, Crime Fest in Bristol, uh, which I think is actually, it's, it's a great festival. I mean, Barry, you know My a lot more about one. it. I don't. It's been one you've been going yeah. back to, isn't it? Yes, I remember. I've not been as much as Irsa who has never missed a single crime fest right she lives she lives in iceland but she's been every year to bristol for this festival and that that's a kind of mark of quality isn't it yeah i think so it has great names i love it actually more than any of the others i love the intimacy of it i love the fact that it's mostly authors isn't it at crime fest you get that Mm. real sense of camaraderie and it always attracts some great names i mean we've heard jeffrey diva there lee child uh in ranking was headlining one year i mean just really really big names really really Mm -hmm. great fun no, it's brilliant. And I mean, we can't really tell people very much, but there will be an event, uh, we hope, a Heads mm. Together event at the festival. Yes. That's that's part of a process of negotiation at the moment. And who knows where Is that, that will go. Heads Together, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my marketing hat on already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, well, we're pre-warning people, aren't we? We're getting them primed for that one. Um and so, well, I think uh, what we'll come back to in the future when we talk about this is some of the festivals that are coming up, you know, whether they're going ahead live, which we hope they all will, or whether we wind up online or whatever. But um, I wish Gwil come really well anyway. And uh, Crime Fest, I'm really looking forward to attending. So, mm. Well, I've got some information about Noirich, which is right. changing. It has a new iteration. So from this year, it will be solely run by UEA, which is the ah. University of East Anglia Arts and Humanities events, and it will have a symposium format, which is fine. But if I do something, in which I think I'm going to, it means I really have to be on my toes. With a symposium, you can't wing it, which one can do at other things. Mm, right. And that when's that then? That's later in the year, isn't it? Is that September? It is, yes. I think it's still being, it says... Uh, we're still finalising this, but it will be in touch as things develop. I think it's still at an early stage. Right. Of course, okay. Capital Crime as well is coming up, isn't it? So that's yes, October. Indeed. Really yes. looking forward to that. And that's going to be in, I believe, is it Battersea this year? Is that what they're Battersea saying? Park, yeah. I think we, we're talking Park. about yes. a huge event this time. Huge. I think it'd be phenomenal. Well, I thought the first well, one the fir- was sensational. The first one was terrific. And it was rather like the first one was rather like the first Bloody Scotland. You knew within minutes that it had hit the ground running. Yes, it was yes. a winner. It wasn't. Yes. A, I think Adrian Muller would be the first to admit about Crime Fest that it was slow to start, mm. and then only when I remember when elderly ladies came from America to Crime Fest, mm. and you saw the blue rinses, you thought, "Yes, it's made it. It's reached across the ocean." Whereas uh, Bloody Scotland and uh, Crime Fest, uh, uh, Capital Crime, both were a go from the start. Yeah, I think yeah, the absolutely. energy there. Do you remember that first uh, first season festival? It was yes. brilliant. And all again, all those names. I remember the billboard as you came in. I mean, so many thumbnails. of It was, it was brilliant. Mm. I suppose what we're saying really is if you are a crime fan and, you know, you need to get yourself along to one of these, it's maybe mm. the sort of thing that some people think is not for them. They, they think it's an exclusive club or something. You know, if you're just a, a reader and you just like crime fiction and it's nothing like that at all. I think some there of the a... festivals are, aren't they? I mean, yeah, I but, find... Mm. Don't you think, Victoria, there is a problem that there is 
I am I'm one of the people who when I see punters standing in little groups near authors, mm. I will go over and say, Oh, are you a fan of X? I'll try to get uh, them because mm. they're inti- they are intimidated by when they're standing next to. But then yeah. on the other hand, Lee Child doesn't want to be necessarily mugged by all his admirers. No, right. It's a, it's a, it's a difficult uh, tightrope to walk, isn't it? Mm. Yes, but that's very inclusive of you, Barry. You can stay yeah. in the green room if you really don't want to mix, though. Yes, you can. Have, no, funny some enough, of them that... are more daunting. Yeah, I remember going to Harrogate for my first time, and when I knew nobody, you know, before I was published, it was just before my book was coming out, and. It's, there were so many people and it's, you know, that huge tent and there aren't, unlike Crime Fest, where you can just nip into different panels and actually, funnily enough, get to know people in them, you know, who you're sitting next to and so on. It's much harder to infiltrate, I think, at Harrogate if you're a first-timer. Yes. Well, the funny thing for me at um, Capital Crime was the first person I bumped into practically, Adam Hamdy came up and introduced himself. And yeah. by the end of a little chat, we'd agreed that we were going to do an interview about his book and, and it went from there, so... Yeah, but that was the whole feel of Capital Crime, wasn't it? It was just the buzz in the air. And I just, mm. that's what I'm so excited for this time around as well, because I know it's going to be even better. Ayoan Atade, who's, who's somebody we are all in touch with, indeed, says there will be exciting news from Capital Crime. Oh, is she involved uh, in the planning of yes. it? Yes. So is I don't know. I don't know who they've managed to land, but it sounds like somebody pretty big. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. Well, that's something to look out <laughs> for then. Interesting, you know, just as we're about to talk about our guests and how big yes. our guests are on our shows. Um, I don't know if you want to start, Victoria. No, I was actually going to say. No, you don't want to start. Because I can't, <laughs> I've got to look it up. I forgot this bit. OK, in that case. So if you want to start, Paul, I will. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can tell you that um, I put my first two interviews up the other day. I put the two up together, actually. Don't know why, but two journalists. It just struck me that they went together. So um, it was two interviews with Frank Gardner and Adam Labore. Um, who are both journalists and writers, of course. And um, by the time this goes out, I'm assuming that the Dean Kuntz interview will be out there, which was an absolutely fantastic hour and a little bit of a coup. I was thrilled with that. And I spoke to um, Amen Alange last night, and that was another fantastic interview for an hour. So those will be going out very shortly. And so um, you've got, you've, Interesting, you've got the pronunciation of his first name. I, I asked him why he has this very unusual first name. And his answer was, you may get this as well, Paul. My mother was very religious. Indeed. In fact, that came up last night in the interview. So, <laughs> but uh, yes, it, it's Amen Alange, not Amen Alange. Don't um, you think, Paul, he's an interesting figure that oh, he, he very writes this very tough black uh, urban crime. And yet he's a well-spoken, um, loyally type. You wouldn't guess from his book the kind of guy he is. You wouldn't, no. Um, I mean, it, it's, well, I said to him at one point, just to give people a rough idea anyway, I said to him, okay, look, um, do you know how many people are killed in your book? To which his answer was, no, I'm not entirely sure. And <laughs> I said, yeah, but it would be fitting in a Die Hard movie, wouldn't it? And he had to admit it would. So it's, it's pretty full-on action, but... And this is the, the key point that makes it a slightly different book for me is the characters are incredibly well drawn and they're yeah. introduced in a very clever way that leaves you just wanting so much to know more and more and more. And that's almost as page turning as the action, which is just incredible. So, and it's it a first for trilogy. Yeah, it did remind me slightly of the, the Bill Beverly book, Dodgers, which is interesting because now I would right. guess that that kind of book can only be written by a black writer Bill Beverly, who's this sort of uh, a white academic, uh, and there was no fuss whatsoever about Dodgers. Everybody loved it. It had fantastic uh, reviews. 
now there will be somebody saying, well, is he the right person to write this book? So mm. amen or amen is, is, one has to say in the current climate, the right writer for that kind of book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we did talk, I mean, we talked about, young, there's a lot of young people in the book, so there's young language, you know, that you have to get your head around as well because you don't understand that element of culture. And there are Asian characters as well as African-Caribbean characters and Caribbean characters, um, a couple of Nigerian characters who are, they're, they're worth, the book's worth it just for their little bit in the middle. So, um, but a lot of fascinating, it's basically London and London is a cosmopolitan city and that has to be in the fiction, you know, yeah. if a book is to be truly representative. But he's shaking up um, gangster crime anyway, that's for sure. Right. Um, and the only other one was, and this is thanks to you, Barry, actually, you suggested I have a chat about um, interviewing um, Charlie Higson because he's doing his first adult book and I think 25 years, something like that. Yes. Um, so that's in negotiation. Well, well, he's well known for the Fast Show. He's well, he's well known for his Young Bond series, but he has now taken up the adult cudgels again, and I think he really does deliver. It's 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 great fun. The new one with a with a with a strong and distinctive central character, McIntyre, mm. who we, I think we'll be seeing more of. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. So now, Victoria, are you ready? I am. I am ready. Uh, so on the sofa, we have obviously um, an episode a fortnight. So two episodes to tell you about coming up. We've got our Irish panel with Catherine Ryan Howard and Brian McGilloway, which was really fascinating. Um, at the early point, this is a little secret inside thing. Um, we weren't sure if Brian McGilloway was going to turn up. There was some there was some mix up, I think, the recording. So Catherine and I were having a lovely old chat. And then uh, Brian knocked on the virtual door and he joined, too. And that was that was great. Um, and obviously their, their books are very different and explore different aspects of Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really fascinating to, to delve into both of those and, and how they write and why, why they choose to um, explore and how they explore the settings in their books. Did um, you talk, Victoria, to him about uh, when I meet Brian, we only ever talk about Iron Man and Batman and Superman. He's a big fan of that sort of stuff. I didn't know that. And if <laughs> I'd known that, I would have absolutely brought it up. <laughs> That's part um, two then. That's part two. We'll get Barry on for that one. Um, and the second one, I'm I'm beyond excited, actually. And I'm not supposed to have a favourite, am I? Because all my guests are wonderful. But this was a, is a bit of a hero for me, actually. So one of the authors of um, almost what's a Bible of profiling, uh, Mindhunter. So if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with the book, um, I'm sure people are familiar with the series on Netflix, um, really looking at the birth of the behavioural analysis unit um, within the FBI and the interviews with serial killers and what we can learn from them, but obviously in a, in a sort of, um, within a, the context of a strong narrative. So really, really fascinating. And he's talking, this is Mark Olshaker, sorry, one of the one of the authors talking right, about yes. his new book, which explores in depth one of the particular cases um, raised in Mindhunter. Um, and with him, Jennifer Reese, who is a criminologist. So slightly less on the fiction side, but utterly utterly fascinating i mean i i think i just want to listen back and back and back to that episode <laughs> all right look um, out for that one yeah really really brilliant and how about you barry well i've had uh, tim lucas the name may not be known to the general public but he's kind of the doyen of commentators on genre on genre blu-rays and dvds yeah he has he's been doing it for 50 years I mean, what about that? Right. Wow. And I envy him the fact that he's right from the start, he's done exactly what he wants to do, rather like my friend Kim Newman. Uh, he's done exactly what he wants to do from the start of his career to the present day. And uh, he, he's like me. He knows a lot about Italian crime and, and he does a lot of that. So I've got a very interesting 
interview with him. The trouble is it will have to be me speaking the interview because I managed to screw up the recording, something that never happens to you, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to say, I forgive you, Barry. (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners, should we explain what that's about? (laughs) Uh, Well, somebody, somebody apparently (laughs) forgot to record our last meeting and we had to do it again. I like to think of it more along the lines of we had a rehearsal. So we had a rehearsal and it was going to ask you one thing, though, Barry, related to that, um, because you were putting something out this morning on social media about lady in a cage. Oh, yes. Well, Um, that's interesting. That's the only time I will ever have a comment from a hundred year old plus. Right. Yes. I have to say that I didn't get as Olivia de Havilland, who, of course, was the last surviving member of the golden age of Hollywood. She, she was Errol Flynn's leading lady in, in 70 films. Uh, and I didn't get it directly from her. I haven't, I've got lots of contacts, Victoria, but not quite that many. But I know her biographer <laughs> quite well. And that was unfortunately never finished because she died. Uh, so it's, a, it's a, a film that was banned by the British Board of Film Censors, as they were then, in which Olivia de Havilland is a wealthy woman in Beverly Hills who is finds herself trapped in her lift and the house is invaded by an unlikely series of thugs, monsters, rapists, I say monsters meaning human beings, Mm. including a young James Calm. Well, the film wouldn't raise too many eyebrows today because we are so immured against anything, but it it really shocked people in its day. And um, now it's available in a very good uh, Blu-ray edition. And it was banned because it was seen as too shocking, is that? It was... Uh, ironically, even though there are moments of visual gruesomeness in it, not that many, yeah. the BBFC used to be very worried about criminality being imitated. So uh, they 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 didn't like the James Khan and his group figured out how to break into someone's house and really take over the house. They thought uh, that could be imitated. Isn't I think, that yeah. And in the context now of crime, where so much of, for example, serial killers are celebrated, that's interesting, isn't it? How it's gone the other way almost. I mean, admittedly, we're not talking about literal images. Yes. But the way we put the villain in the spotlight as if it was a first thing to be admired often. Well, people don't, people don't seem to be worried anymore about crime, mm. either the films or the fiction from that point of view. It no. used to be in the 70s, it was a big panic, moral panic. Mm. Even Bruce Lee films uh, would be censored because of the little objects that he would have. There's a feeling mm. that people would start using them, mm-hmm. these little ninjukas. I forgot what they're called, ninchakas. Mm. But, um, oh, that's my... Uh, that's something being delivered for the home cinema there. <laughs> <laughs> I just dropped that casually in. <laughs> Get the popcorn ready for us later. Yes, I'll have you both over to see something on it. Ah, well. <laughs> this film we were my, talking about, in fact. Yeah, why not cage, Lady in a Cage? Actually, yes, I found something. I was looking at this, um, just looking it up, because I remember that Olivia Havilland, Havilland died last year, and she was 104, I think, in the end. But yeah. um, wow. this is the strap line that went with the American theatrical poster. What happens in the elevator is not for the weak. It is perhaps not even for the strong. <laughs> Good line, isn't it? What's it is, but basically what you're saying is there's nobody can watch this film, so maybe it's not great, <laughs> great sales technique. <laughs> what, you, what Victoria will like about it is maybe not the excessive violence, but the fact that you are allowed to change your mind about this woman who has a gay son. That's an interesting th- theme. She has an explicitly gay son, Back in the 60s, before you right, actually yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. such things, yeah. there's a, a reference made to him being gay. And she's not the best mother in the world, and she's self-centered, and she's allowed to change. Of course oh. you're on her side because she's at the mercy of these thugs, but yeah. she's not very likable. And that's an interesting move uh, when you're writing your books, whether you make a character, we've had this discussion, haven't we? Yeah. Mm. Whether you make your central character likable or not. 
And this whole question of like, I mean, I've talked about this a few times on the sofa. I mean, it's a question of likability and what we actually mean by it. Because, um, of course, for I think actually readers yes, right. aren't, they talk, they think, oh, yeah. they're talking about like, you know, yeah. they want to be friends with a character. But I think really what they're meaning is, is a character compelling. Can they understand a character? Can they yes. empathise with a character? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. actually, sometimes the less nice, I hate that word, character, is actually much more interesting and you're much mm. more curious to read about them. Well, that's very relevant with the uh, Amen Allonge book that we were talking about mm. because the character is a gangster. So, you know, yeah. you can't like him in that sense. And he's certainly not reliable or anything, but you have to, you have to empathize. You have to understand because it's his perspective you're getting for a lot of the book. Yeah. I remember yeah. Donald Westlake, who wrote as Richard Stark mm. in his Parker books, who is a, a hitman basically, so you're never really supposed to like him. And at one point in one of the books, he kills accidentally a, t- a typist. He's gone into yeah, right. to, And he comes out to find that she's, she's died. He's tied her up and she's died. And he says, oh, that's a shame. And I said to Donald Westlake, I was really upset by that. Because you don't mind how many violent gangsters yeah, the right. party kills. This is an innocent woman. And he said to me, I put that in to upset people like you to show that there are consequences to crime. But I then said to him, I think you're having your cake and eating it because we're mm. supposed to enjoy a violent hero. And yeah. we're not supposed mm. to feel guilty about it, are we? I don't know. Are we? Point. I mean, look at you, for example, um, Caroline Kepnes. I mean, a terrible character if you think about what he does, you know, the stalking and everything else. And yet until that final scene, you are rooting, at least I was rooting for him. Mm. And what was so interesting about that to me, I mean, the story was brilliant, the language was brilliant, everything else. But actually the way it makes me question myself, why am I rooting for this guy? And it's, yes, it's partly because he's so funny, isn't he? He's way of looking at the world, but there's something darker in that maybe as well. Yes. And there's a um, scene in Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train where Robert Walker, who's the psychopathic Bruno, has lost an incriminating lighter. It falls down a, uh, a grating. Yeah. And there's a couple of his fingers. He manages to get the lighter. It falls out again. And we're praying for him to get the lighter, yeah. even though Tension. it's going to bring down the hero for murder. But we are yeah. being involved by, by the filmmaker in that case with something. He wants us to be on the side of the killer in that case. You can't help yes. but want to get that lighter. Mm, on the side of the killer. On that note, I think we should leave it for this month. So thank you to everybody for listening. And it's goodbye from us at Heads Together. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.